Oh, I've been prayed for three times now, so. <laughs> okay, we're waiting, we're waiting, Father, for <laughs> your message. And the, prayer, the message is about prayer, so very apropos. Thank you, David. Um, okay, Matthew 6, if you want to turn there, or I don't know if it'll be on the screen, or just listen. Um, Matthew 6, 5 through 10 is our passage. Matthew 6, 5 through 10. Let me read. This is from the ESV version. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I'm going to stop there. <laughs> you may want to say, why are you doing the whole prayer? But uh, we're going to stop there and focus on these verses today. And we prayed, of course, the Lord's Prayer earlier. E.M. Um, e. Bounds, a well-known author, some of you may know, uh, who wrote nine books on prayer, amazingly. Uh, so he was a man of prayer, obviously, lived, I'm not sure when he passed away, but he's not with us, he's with the Lord. But he wrote, prayer should not be regarded as a duty, which must be performed, which sometimes maybe it feels like that, but rather as a privilege to be enjoyed, a rare delight that is always revealing some new beauty. So it's a privilege, it's a delight. Um, but what is your experience with prayer? Uh, if it's like mine, and I think like many of us, it's a varied experience. And sometimes you are really feeling that connection with God and are much in prayer, and other times your prayers, maybe it's a, you have a dry prayer life at certain seasons in your life, and it does feel like just a duty. Uh, it's been a long journey for me, and I'll talk more about that later, and Christine and I have talked about this too, but it's been a long journey in the journey in prayer. Uh, but it's been a hard journey at times, a good journey, a wonderful journey, frustrating journey, uh, but overall I, I'm thankful for God's work in the midst of that journey that I can see as I look back. But let's focus again on, on what our message today. Does it seem like something, maybe prayer seems like something for, you know, the pastors or the spiritual few, the more spiritual people uh, sometimes. Maybe it seems like it's more for somebody else or something that we just do on Sunday and it really doesn't have anything to do with my daily life uh, when I leave here on Sunday. Maybe that's what it feels like at times. And again, it comes and goes, I know. Does it feel like a waste of time sometimes? Like, oh, you know, nothing's happening. I'm praying, I'm praying, and nothing is happening. I don't see answers, or I don't get the right answers, or what the, the answers that I think are right. Uh, but does it feel like a waste of time? Uh, or is this something you just do for the big things? You know, when the big things come along, you remember, okay, God, I need to bring this to God in prayer, but not the little things, not the daily things. Uh, of life? Does it feel like a duty? Does it, do you feel guilty about it sometimes? Uh, like, oh, I don't pray enough. I should be praying more. I should have prayed about this. should have prayed about that. Uh, I, was, I was hit with a, my own guilt trip one time in the Czech Republic. Uh, my first 
time to live overseas, and Christine actually lived there after I did. But we served with the local church there. We were out at a youth camp. We, had six, we, were, we were expecting 400 youth, Czech youth, to show up. I think 800 showed up, <laughs> way beyond what we expected. And of course, we, the leaders of the, the camp, we're all scrambling and we're in panic. How are we going to feed this many people? Forgetting story of <laughs> a little boy with two fish uh, and five loaves, or so five loaves and two fish. But uh, anyway, we're, you know, we're, we're in panic. And then one dear sister, an older sister in Christ, a Czech sister, said, why don't we pray about that? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, let's pray about that. And uh, we did. God supported. God provided more than we needed. I can't even remember how, but it was amazing. Uh, so I was, yeah, I, I've had those guilt trips as well. Why didn't I think of that? Of course, uh, why don't we pray, as our sister said. After, uh, and after receiving the invitation to come here and preach uh, a couple of months ago through Vera via Joel or Joel via Vera, uh, I was thinking about, you know, what should we cover? You know, I don't get to preach very very often here uh, in the States, and so what should, we, what should we look at? And I was praying about it and thinking about it, thinking about all the issues going on in our world, in Turkey and that part of the world, but thinking about the issues here in the States. Uh, the States, you all have been through a lot uh, in this last year and a half uh, in various uh, ways, in various issues. It's been a tense time. It's been a hard time. So what can I say or what can God's word say? What can God say? What does he want to say uh, to a situation like this, like this time in our lives, this time in our country or in the world? Uh, how will we find, in the middle of everything that's happening, how are we going to find hope? Uh, how are we going to find courage? Uh, how do we find wisdom? Uh, how do we find love for our neighbors who maybe we're really frustrated with uh, or even angry at? Uh, how do we find answers, strength, peace for whatever's going on, whether it's the big picture stuff or the littlest things in our lives? How do we find answers to, uh, to those questions that trouble our minds or weigh down our hearts or opportunities? How do we find answers to those uh, as, as well? And the answer, obviously, is that connection with our Creator, which is the title of the message, through prayer. The connection with God, our Creator, our Father, our strength, our hope, our wisdom, our peace, our joy, our love. That connection through prayer that he's invited us to uh, is where we find those answers as we deepen that connection with our God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Even as we've prayed today already, something is happening. Sometimes I don't even think we realize something is happening in the spiritual realm as we come and worship, as David prays and others pray, something real is happening that, you know, sometimes I don't think we think about it, but something is going on. There is a power at work, and David prayed but for the power of the Holy Spirit. There is a reality that sometimes we just lose in the middle of our earthly reality, the things that we just see, but there is a reality going on. And my hope and my prayer, as we reflect on the verses, and reflect on the topic of prayer in general, that uh, we will be encouraged by the message, and it's to me too, uh, to live a life of prayer without ceasing, uh, a continual life of prayer every day, not just on Sunday morning, uh, not just in the big things, but a continual life of prayer. And we'll talk 
more about that. That's my desire, that we would have that more and more. And I know, you know, for some of us, maybe that sounds kind of strange, you know, continual prayer, you know, always praying, unceasing prayer. You know, what are you talking about? I've got to work. <laughs> I've got family. I've got, you know, things to do. Uh, but you, action, our action, our daily life and prayer are not something separate. They go together. Uh, prayer informs, or prayer, we, uh, prayer informs uh, our actions. It, it, we bring our actions and our activities and our needs and our priorities and everything that we're thinking about, we bring it to God in prayer, to our Creator, to our connections. So those go together. Yes, we do set aside special times. Yes, we have maybe morning devotions and we have things like that. We do stop sometimes and we focus on, oh, I'm just going to spend some time in prayer. But even as we go, Brother Lawrence uh, wrote a great little book that I can recommend, uh, Practicing the Presence of God, short book, long, long time ago, but he talked about washing the dishes and praying. As he's washing the dishes, he's in communication, he's in connection with the Creator, uh, even in the simplest acts, and that should be more and more of our lives, too. Um, so I think if we have that understanding, it's probably, it's a misunderstanding. Prayer is about this constant communion, constant connection with God as we're walking down the street, as we're driving the car, as we're at school, as we're at work, wherever we are, that constant connection uh, with our Creator. And it's maybe kind of like, uh, there was a period in my life years ago where I had a misunderstanding about Sabbath. I thought Sabbath was a duty, you know, keep the Sabbath day holy. Now I understand, as I look at Scripture more and, you know, have teaching, that Sabbath is a privilege. Sabbath is a gift. Sabbath is an invitation. And it's a privilege to participate and to keep the Sabbath day holy. And there's, I know we have different ideas about what that means, but at least this connection again with our Creator as we stop once a week and just focus on that, that relationship. So uh, I think sometimes we don't appreciate how much of a gift gift it is. And I pray that through the message, through, their, through our time together, that, that as we look at this passage, particularly in Matthew, that maybe you'll have a new or renewed vision for prayer in your life and in your daily life. Uh, I am still, again, I'm still on that journey, getting a renewed and new vision for prayer and what it means in my daily life. It's been a long journey, and um, I have a lot to learn. I've made many mistakes. But again, God is impressing on me what a wonderful, amazing gift and invitation it is to have this opportunity to communicate with our Creator, with the one who made us, with God. Uh, in his book, The Prayer of Jesus, I can recommend it. It's, I do have an insert, and I'll talk more about that later in the bulletin with some helps. And one, I, I'm not sure if I put this one on there, but The Prayer of Jesus, small little book by Ken Hemphill. Uh, he's focusing on the Lord's Prayer in particular, and he starts at, at the beginning of the book, and he's been again in the ministry many years. He says, one of the most primary purposes of prayer is to spend time in conversation with our Father or to connect with our Creator. One of the primary purposes is conversation, just a conversation, a dialogue with God. You see prayers, is, and he, begins, he goes on to write, you see prayers is not about answers. Prayer is about reward. And where do we see that? In Matthew 6, 6, that we just read, Matthew 6, 6 says, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret 
will reward you. So Ken Hemphill writes that prayer is not about answers so much, it's about reward. And then he goes on to say the understanding, this understanding of the purpose of prayer will begin to revolutionize the way you approach God. It's not just about, oh, going to God as, oh, I need an answer for this, I need an answer for that. Uh, and he writes, it will cause you to marvel at the miraculous privilege of being to, able to engage in intimate conversation with the creator of all the universe. Uh, and this fellowship is hardly limited to what we usually consider our prayer time, but is truly a constant, continuous, moment-by-moment -moment relationship with God. And then he writes about reward. Communication with him is reward enough. You know when you're with a friend that gives you life, a life-giving friend or somebody in your family, what a, just a reward that is, just to be together and just to have a conversation. Some, you know, sometimes maybe somebody brings you down, but others lift you up. They encourage you, they challenge you, they inspire you. Uh, how much more our Creator, our God who made us, can inspire us and encourage us, does inspire and encourage us, and empower us through His Holy Spirit. Paul, when he was talking to the people in Athens, uh, he said, using their own poetry, he said that we live and move and have our being in God. We exist in some way. We exist in the presence of God. God is here with us, and Scripture says Christ is in us. Uh, in some real way, uh, prayer occurs in that context of li uh, living and moving and having our being in Him each day. God isn't out there. He's not over there, and we go and meet with Him, and then we come back to our life. No, he's right here, and he's even Christ in us. Uh, and David says in Psalm 139, right, he says, God searches and knows us. He perceives our thoughts from afar. He's familiar with all of our ways. He knows every thought. He knows every struggle, every sin, every hope, every desire that we have. He already knows them, the good and the bad. So in prayer with our Father, we can and we must be completely open and honest. We can be free. Uh, with our Father. David mentioned that, you know, even, even expressing our, our fears and our struggles and our sins, we can be free with and open with our Father. He already knows them anyway, and so we can bring them to him. Uh, Henry Nouwen writes, prayer is not introspection. It's not just looking at ourselves. It's not, it's not a scrupulous inward-looking analysis of our own thoughts and feelings, but it's a careful attentiveness to the presence of love personified, which is God himself. So being attentive to God's presence around us, inviting us to an encounter, God inviting us to that relationship. Our prayer can only become unceasing prayer when all of our thoughts, uh, and he writes, beautiful or ugly, high or low, proud or shameful, sorrowful or joyful, can be thought in the presence of the one who dwells in us and surrounds us. Every thought we bring before him. Uh, then he says, I realize how easily I make my prayers into a little seminar with God. And I think we can all do that at times. You know, God, you know, you need to fix this. You know, or this is what I would do. Why don't you get to work? Uh, during which I want to be useful by reading beautiful prayers. You know, we want to get just the right words. Or thinking profound thoughts or saying impressive words. Uh, the, again, this is Henry Nouwen writing. I'm obviously still worried about the grade. You know, I'm looking for the grade. You know, God's going to be happy with this prayer. It's indeed a hard discipline to be useless in God's presence, uh, which is an interesting, interesting way to say it, and to let him speak into the silence of my heart. Uh, 
to realize, okay, God, I don't know. I don't even know what to pray. I'm confused here. I just need help. Uh, you know, I'm just before you, and I'm listening. But whenever I become a little useless, he writes, I know that God is calling me to a new life beyond the boundaries of my usefulness. We think we're so useful, and we've got it all together, and we're going to do this and that. But God can do even far more, and he does, beyond what we imagine uh, and who we are. So with these things in mind, that connection with our creator that I've been kind of laying the groundwork for with the God who made us, that connection with him is reward enough. And the answers, the answers to our prayers are kind of like icing on the cake. <laughs> and we do see answers. We see God answer specific prayers in our life. But just that relationship with him is the ultimate reward. With these things in mind, let's look at Matthew 6 just briefly, these verses, maybe in a fresh way, I hope, maybe in a fresh way, as we think about what's happening here when Jesus is talking to his disciples. They come to him, Lord, help us to pray. What do, what do we pray? What is happening maybe underneath or behind the scenes in a way? And the teaching of our rabbi, uh, of our Lord and teacher Jesus, is really, as I've already said it, it's an invitation to relationship. Matthew 6 is an invitation to connection, communication, communion, relationship with the God of all the universe, with the one who made us, with our Father. As Ian Bounds says, it's a privilege to be enjoyed, a rare delight that is always revealing some new beauty. Uh, and I think if you grow, as you grow in your prayer life, you start to taste that, you start to feel it. It, does, it is a way that God is revealing new perspectives on you know, the issues in your life or on your daily work, you know, maybe work that you struggle with and you don't even enjoy sometimes. But as God opens your eyes to the possibilities and to the opportunities, uh, we see him revealing new beauty in that. So Matthew, verse, Matthew 6, verses 5 through 8, the first section, first he's verses 5, 6, and 7, he says, when you pray. So three times he says, when you pray. It's obvious, but he's speaking to people. He assumes the audience, his disciples and others, he assumes that we do pray, that they do pray, that we do pray. So that's kind of an obvious point, but three times he says that when, when you pray. So when you pray, prayer, and prayer really is a natural impulse. I find around the world, uh, wherever we go, prayer is a natural impulse, even if you're not a follower of Christ yet. Uh, in other religions, of course, or even people maybe who don't profess any faith in God or that there is a God, even they at times will pray. Uh, because of that, just it's a natural human, God-given impulse to connect with him, to connect with someone out there, where, whoever is out there for those who don't know Christ. Uh, and of course, as his followers, as his children, called by him, we know him, uh, but, so we call on him. So when you pray, and if you struggle with even a desire to pray, and I have at times, we all have, pray about that. <laughs> if you don't want to pray, pray. Pray that God will help you to pray. Pray that God will give you a desire to pray, a thirst to pray. And again, prayer, prayer is that conversation, that connection. So pray that he will give you that as well, a desire and a practice. Second in these verses, Jesus knows that some of us all the time, maybe some of us all the time, or many or most of us some of the time, either pray in the wrong way or we pray with the wrong motives. And we see that in these verses and a wrong motive, maybe, to look good in front of others. You know, I, wanna, I want people to listen to me. I want them to hear my prayer. Uh, we see that with the 
the, uh, the Pharisee or the publican and the tax collector. You know, oh God, I'm glad I'm not like him. And the tax collector just in a very humble way uh, comes to God and have mercy, have mercy. So Jesus says, you must not be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues at the street corners so that they can be seen by others. Uh, and I think maybe many of us have had that temptation at times, whether it's in prayer or preaching or teaching or whatever it is. We want to look good. Uh, but that Jesus is saying, no, uh, that's not the way we come to God in prayer or in the wrong way, maybe the wrong motive or in the wrong way. We think we need to use certain words and phrases kind of to wake God up and to make sure he's listening. Like the, the prophets of Baal, when uh, they were with Elijah and they're tr calling on their God, Baal, and he's not listening. And then Elijah starts to to tease them about it. He's very sarcastic toward these prophets. Where's your God? You know, is he sleeping? You know, maybe he's out, you know, call louder. <laughs> uh, but uh, Jesus says, you don't need, uh, he says, when you pray, do not up, heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words, you know? Uh, and uh, Jesus is saying, no, we don't need to do that either. It can be a simple prayer. One of the most profound prayers, and I've heard this from other pastors, I've heard it, I've seen it in writing from, in commentaries. One of the most profound prayers is a one word, help, <laughs> help, just help. God, I need help in this situation. I need help with this big thing or this little thing, uh, help. So that can be a profound prayer. So if any of these have been temptations or struggles for you, the best thing is to bring it to God and say, God, you know, this is what I'm, I do this and I know this is wrong and I don't want to do it, so just help me. Help me to change. Help me to be more sincere in my prayer, more real uh, in my prayer, more open and honest uh, in my prayer. Third, Jesus gives us direction how to approach God in prayer. So these are a couple of ways not to approach him. And then third, third he says, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. Now, it's not you don't literally have to go into a room that has a door and shut the door. Uh, that's a great, if you can, if you can get away and have that quiet space, that's wonderful. Uh, I think it was Susanna Wesley, if I remember reading right. She had what, 10 kids or some, you know, she had a large family. I'm sure it was a very small house. So apparently the way she would go in secret into her room with God was to take her apron and just cover her head. <laughs> and pray like that. And they knew, okay, mom's praying, we need to be quiet, and that was her room, and that was her time with God. You know, very practical, uh, great idea. So obviously, literally, it doesn't mean you have to go into a room if you have that, great. But what it does mean is the approach, the posture, the attitude that we have uh, in coming to God, not advertising it to the world, you know, oh, I'm going to pray, you know, look at me. Uh, but connecting with him, even in the busiest times, of the busiest place, connecting with him with a humble and quiet heart, as, you know, maybe chaos is going on around you, but you just stop and, and pray, okay, God, you know, help me in this situation as I'm going to this meeting and I'm really, you know, angry or I'm frustrated or I'm struggling, I'm nervous about this meeting, this confrontation, or whatever it may be, okay, God, uh, help me please be with me, give me the words that you would want me to have. So it's more about that attitude, that approach. So verses 9 and 10 are the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, uh, as we know, and the prayer speaks to our spiritual journeys 
and it begins like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, packed with ugh, so much theology and profound uh, truth, just those few words. We won't get into all of it today, uh, but it starts with that, invi that invitation to relationship. Our Father. We have a Father. He's not the force. <laughs> he's not... <laughs> He's not, you know, uh, some impersonal being. He's not a Greek God. He is our Father. So he's inviting us to relationship and that connection. Uh, and he has children that he desires to have a relationship with. He desires that connection. And it says our Father, not my Father. It says our Father. We are part of a bigger community. We're not just individuals. Uh, we are part of a large family now all over the world, in Turkey, in Cantonment, across the world, and through all of time, we're part of a large family. Uh, and that gives us great hope and encouragement. Remember, we're not alone, and we should be praying together uh, as well. We have times of individual prayer, but we also have times, let's pray together. Our, our church uh, in Istanbul, sometimes we have open prayer during the worship service, and people, folks just pray. Uh, during the worship service. So we pray as a community. And then we honor his name. We respect and protect his name. Hallowed be your name, uh, because you are the king and the creator. Uh, the Westminster Larger Catechism puts it this way about you know, honoring and respecting his name. He says we are to pray with an, uh, this is Old English, awful apprehension of the majesty of God. Not awful as in our modern way, but all full, full of all. Uh, for the majesty of God, deep sense of our own unworthiness, necessities and sins, with penitent, th penitent, pen penitent, thankful, and enlarged hearts, with understanding, faith, sincerity, fervency, love, and perseverance, waiting upon him with humble submission to his will. Uh, and again, actually, the larger catechism I recommend in that insert as a place to go to for some more thoughts about prayer, uh, more ingredients for your prayers. And then next, we're called to acknowledge our God as who is the Father, who is our Father and wants personal relationship. He's also the King. He's a King over all the universe, and He has a kingdom, and we are part of that kingdom, and we are subjects in His kingdom. We are His servants, uh, and we are reminded of that. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's become part of my prayer life over the years increasingly. Okay, God, your will be done in this situation, whatever it is. We can pray about our specific needs, and we should, our dreams, our projects, you know, financial needs, what, whatever it is. We pray about those, and we should, specific things, all with open hands at the same time. Okay, God, I'm praying about this, but your will be done. I want this, I desire this, I hope for this, I would like this, uh, or I would like it for somebody else. Uh, or I'm ill, my, somebody in my family is ill, and I would desire their healing, but your will be done. Every time, your will be done, because he is our good father, who knows. Um, a recent example for us in Istanbul, we had to move from our other apartment to a different apartment closer to the boys' school, and uh, we were, I was you know, looking online and looking at all the realtor sites, and we visited three or four places. We met with realtors. We looked at this place and that place, just like you would here. And then one morning, I woke up, looked online again. There's a place that looks amazing. Go and visit it a few hours later. Oh, this really seems like it. 
But all that time in that process, we were trying to keep praying, okay, God, this is what our need is. You know the need, but your will be done as far as where and how and when. Your will be done. Your will be done. All, long, long story short, we ended up taking that place, met the owner. The owner had lived in Ohio as a young man, uh, spent a year, uh, exchange student with a family, spent a year in their home. This family is Presbyterian. <laughs> he had been a Turkish man. He had been in a home of a Presbyterian family in Ohio. He still called them mom and dad. He had a very close relationship with them. He's in his 40s now. Uh, but he still keeps in connection with them. Actually, she just passed away, and he wanted to go their fun to her funeral. He couldn't get there. But if you, if, I mean, maybe it's hard to feel it here, but to meet somebody in Turkey who has a connection with a Presbyterian family is extremely rare. <laughs> uh, it would never happen, never happen, except in God's kingdom, God's world. So anyway, that, just to see how God, and, now, and we pray for that family now. We have that connection. God put us together for some reason. We believe that. Not just so we could have their apartment, but for some reason. And so we pray for this couple. Very sweet, you know, very good, great couple. And so we pray for them. And who knows how God may use that. So I have a long way to go. Still, like I said, still learning. It's a incremental progress sometimes. You know, sometimes it's three steps ahead and two back, or it's two ahead and three back, but still on this journey of growing in prayer. So we say uh, think your will be done when things don't go as planned. Uh, also, when the dreams die or the needs are unmet, the desires aren't fulfilled, uh, those we love are not healed, we still say, okay, God, I don't like this. This is hard, and we can be honest. Look at the Psalms. The Psalms are incredibly honest <laughs> if you look at the writers in the Psalms. Sometimes they're like almost as if they're shaking their fist at God, but uh, we still bring it to God. That's the point. We bring it to him, even our anger, even our frustrations with whatever's happening, you know, in your life personally, maybe whatever's happening in the country as a whole that you don't like, whatever side you're on, or whatever's happening in whatever situation, we bring it to him uh, and say, okay, God, your will be done and change my heart. Help me to understand your perspective on this situation or on this whatever has happened that I don't like. Help me to have your perspective and your heart about it. So again, we, we talked earlier about how energizing it is to be in the presence of those who are life-giving in your life and how much more, uh, how much infinitely more we are energized and refreshed by being in the presence of our Creator. Uh, we come away, as Paul says, abounding in hope. We abound in hope because we've spent time with the Father. We abound in hope when things seem uh, hopeless, when, sin things, when life seems dark, when, whether it's at a, at a countrywide level or on our personal level, we abound in hope because we've spent time in the presence of our God, of our Creator. And uh, coming to a close here, but again, Henry Nouwen writes, he has some profound thoughts on prayer. He says to pray means to open your hands before God it means slowly relaxing the tension that squeezes our hands together uh, and accepting our, our existence with increasing readiness, not as a possession to defend, but a gift to receive. Okay, God, you have given this as a gift. I am here because of you. Above all, prayer is a way of life that allows you to find stillness in the midst of the world where you open your hands to God's promises and find hope 
for yourself and for your neighbor and for your world. In prayer, you encounter God not just in the small voice and the soft breeze, but in the midst of the turmoil that's happening in the world, in the distress and joy of your neighbor, in the loneliness of your own heart, you encounter him. Prayer leads you to see new paths and to hear new melodies in the air. Prayer is the breath of your life that gives you freedom to go and freedom to stay in wherever the situation may be. Prayer is not simply some necessary compartment in the daily schedule of a Christian or a source of support in time of need, nor is it restricted to Sunday mornings or mealtimes. Prayer is living. Prayer is constant, everyday, unceasing communication. It's eating and drinking, acting and resting, teaching and learning, playing and working. Praying pervades every aspect of our lives. It is the unceasing recognition that God is wherever we are. He's here, he's with us in the afternoon, he's with us tomorrow, he's with us wherever we are and at all times. It's the unceasing recognition that God is wherever we are, always inviting us to come closer and to celebrate the divine gift of being alive and being his children and being in his presence. So I hope in my prayer is that you will be encouraged, challenged maybe, but encouraged uh, to grow in your prayer life, to grow in that connection and that communion uh, with, with our Creator. And what I'd like to do is, appropriately, I think, is to pray together, actually. And we have a prayer. It's in the insert, I think, in your bulletin. It might be up on the screen, but if not, it's in the insert. Uh, pray together. This is a prayer that we use in Istanbul, translated from Turkish to English, but originally from the Jewish community. This is a a prayer that the Jewish community uses, but we've adapted it, our Turkish pastor has adapted it as followers of Christ. So we see it fulfilled, of course, in Christ Jesus himself, but we will, we will pray it together. But before we do that, I did want to point out just a few things about that insert. Uh, so I put some helps on here. I put the prayer that we use at our church in Turkey. I put some helps like the Westminster Larger Catechism, referring to it, and then I gave some examples. I didn't give all the questions. Uh, the Heidelberg Catechism has some good points on prayer. Uh, and then some books, A Praying Life, Connecting with God in a Distracting World. Paul Miller is, I think he's in the PCA. I know his brother is. Uh, Jack Miller was his father. He wrote a great book called A Praying Life, very powerful, and connecting, and it, and it really speaks to that moment-by-moment -moment daily life of prayer in a household that was very busy, and he's got a daughter who's uh, extreme on the autism, autism scale. It's a very challenging life. Prayer, another book, Prayer, Experiencing Awe and Intimacy with God by Tim, Tim Keller. Um, I, I, frankly, I haven't read that one personally, but I look forward to it. Recommended. The Valley of Vision is a beautiful book of prayers from the Puritans, a collected book of Puritan prayers. And they're, you know, Old English, kind of different for us, but beautiful and powerful prayers. Uh, and then some subscriptions, if you're interested in getting like daily emails. Uh, one is the Gospel Coalition, Pastor Scotty Smith, PCA pastor from Tennessee. He writes a daily prayer, and they're beautiful, and they're very powerful, and they speak to even daily events in the life of our country or the world at, at times. Uh, and then I think some of you know Elizabeth, Elizabeth Turnage, as I understand, has a daily uh, prayer blog as well that you can find on her website. Uh, online daily prayer site, commonprayer.net, uh, and there's other 
you know, prayer websites that have prayers and liturgy that you can use. Uh, I'm, I really enjoy music. Music moves me. I'm not a musician. I can't play anything <laughs> except the radio uh, <laughs> or now my phone. Uh, but I love music. It really speaks powerfully to me and I think for many of us. I, I use music as part of my prayer life. Uh, poor Bishop Hooper is a young couple from Kansas, uh, Jesse and Le- Leah or Leigh Roberts. Uh, they write record, they write, record, and perform. They're working on all 150 psalms right now. They've recorded, I think, 70-something psalms so far. Putting it to their own words, but taking each psalm, putting it to music, very well done, I think. And I use that as part of my prayer life. I sing with them, and that's part of my prayer. Those are prayers, because the psalms were written, many of them, or most of them, as prayers, as songs. So... You know, and there's others like that. Some of the music we sang today, you can use as prayers. You can take the words of those songs and put them into prayer. Um, scriptures that we can use, so many. I just listed a few, 1 Corinthians 13, about love. Uh, Ephesians 3, 14 to 21, very powerful prayer from Paul. Psalm 51, I didn't put here, prayer of confession, repentance. All the Psalms, really, you can practically, you can take them and use them as your own personal prayer and weave in your own request or your own needs even as you pray the Psalms back to God. So that's just a little help. It's not, it's not uh, everything for sure, but it's something. Um, so let's pray together using this prayer, and then I will close with a prayer as well. Um, and uh, you can just read along as we go here or look at your insert if you would like. And this is, again, we pray this in Turkish. Uh, every Sunday and sometimes during the week at the church office. Uh, we pray it together as a community. So let's pray together. O Lord of the universe, creator of all, O Lord of lords, who has the power and authority like you alone? O Lord God, the one who decrees death and life and brings forth salvation, shine on us with your light, honor us with your word, Forgive us all our sins in your mercy as you turn us to yourself in sincere repentance. O Lord of the universe, ruler of all, O King of kings, bless this year unto us, O Lord our God, and bless its yield that it may be for our welfare. Heal us, O Lord, and we shall be healed. Keep us from pain, disaster, and trouble. O Lord of the universe, Almighty One, most exalted God, in your name destroy all the work of the kingdom of evil. We give thanksgiving for all your grace given to us. O Lord of the universe, the one possessor of all, O Heavenly Father, bestow on us your peace goodness, fullness, life, joy, compassion, justice, and mercy. Bless our families, neighbors, countries, and all the human family. Grant us a life that is Christ-like and spirit-filled, and may our days be long until you take us in death into your presence. Amen. And let's pray. This is a prayer, actually, that I'll pray now that is uh, also very well known, and maybe you've prayed it here. 
Lord, make us an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive and is a pardoning that we are pardoned. It's in dying that we are born to eternal life. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen.